Welcome to Investor Insights, the wealth management podcast where we address investor needs, help you enhance your financial situation, and explore all parts of a person's financial life. And now, the host of Investor Insights, Mike Williams. Hey there, uh, welcome back. It's Mike Williams. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Uh, today's episode we're going to call Simmering Under the Surface. And what do I mean by that? Well, when markets go through what effectively now is over a year and a half of going nowhere, uh, yeah, we've gone somewhere. We've covered a lot of distance. We haven't improved anywhere. Uh, the market has been gyrating back and forth in about a 15% band. It's had a couple of corrections, a summer swoon. It started off the year the, quote, worst in 80 years. And then, of course, it rallied back in the best quarter recovery uh, in 83 years. So, oddly enough, we find ourselves, as we speak, right about where we were in early November of 2014. If you and I had just gone to sleep or gotten on a boat and sailed in the Caribbean for a year and a half, we'd have come back and not been uh, harmed at all. In fact, we probably would have been helped. We wouldn't have had any of the worries we worried about for 18 months being back here on land. Here's the point. Under the surface, under the surface, the economy is smoldering to life. It is, it is catching fire. The fuse is being lit in multiple industries. The pressures are building for surprises. We've talked about it before, the out-of-left-field event. Most people hear, oh my God, that was out-of-left-field, and they think negative. It's almost a subconscious choice. But the out-of-left-field event, we would argue, is going to be the surprise to the upside. Before we get to some of those things, let's, uh, let's talk about some further stats that are out. You do recall the poor GDP in Q1. Already, strangely enough, the strong retail sales report has Atlanta Fed's GDP Now model raising its Q2 growth estimate to, get this, 2.8% annualized growth. Imagine that. 2.8% annualized growth all the way from that paltry half a percent, which, by the way, is probably going to get revised a couple of times before it's final. Mind you, that 2.8% growth is up from 2.2% just a few days ago. Think about that. The retail sales were significant, okay? First of all, if you read through the reports, here's what you're going to find. Uh, I'm going to give you an acronym, G-A-F-O. In the retail report from the government, uh, which will put you to sleep, here's some stats. The G-A-F-O is defined as general merchandise, apparel, and accessories, furniture, and other sales. It covers sales at stores that sell merchandise normally sold in department stores, such as general merchandise, clothing and clothing accessory stores, furniture and home furnishing stores, electronics and appliance stores, sporting goods, hobby, book, and music stores, along with office supplies, stationery, and gift stores. That's the definition. Now, shopping online hit a record in March adding up to 27% of the sum total 
of all GAFO spending. That's pretty staggering. That's up significantly from 10 years ago when that number just made up 15%. Over that same 10 years, overall GAFO is up just 14%, while the online shopping ingredient is up 130%. In the three months through April, real retail sales have risen at an annual pace of 6.2%, which is the best we've seen since March of last year. If one excludes building materials, by the way, building materials are included in the residential component of GDP, real retail sales have risen 5.8% over this period. But get this, as core retail sales, excluding autos, gasoline, and food services, they've increased 9% at an annual pace since March Again, the best since March of 2015. So I think we can argue that the net result would be it's a mistake to assume the experts are right when they say the consumer is dead just because they shifted where they shop. The reality is, is the old line retailers are going to need to learn how to increase the experiences in their stores so that they get the attention back from the kids. Otherwise, they're going to pick up their Apple iPhone and they're going to go to a website and they're going to push buy and it's going to arrive in their doorstep. So what do you do as an investor? You watch out for the stores, but you buy FedEx. Just a thought. Earnings season, obviously, we're coming to the end. But um, again... Let's, let's really understand what's simmering under the surface, okay? The big story of earnings has been the, quote, earnings recession. We're told repeatedly that earnings are down. Well, they are in certain sectors. Those sectors are directly attributable to the slashing of oil prices and oil uh, research, looking for oil, okay? You've had to restructure an entire sector of our economy. That takes a little while. We're almost done, but it's been tough, tough, and there's been a trough in earnings, a pause in the growth process, a little bit of a setback, which in time will look more like a new foundation from which to rise from the ashes again. So let's get back to that current. When I was a kid sailing ocean races miles and miles away from any side of shore, I learned that often the surface of the water could be far different from the current underneath. Misreading it, when you're in the middle of nowhere, carried strong consequences. I think if one looks at the overall earnings data, however, we could argue that it is the current snapshot of earnings that is kind of the same way. There is the appearance of rough water and chop on the surface. But a look underneath would suggest to most that the underlying current is much more steady than what is being covered in the press. While more detail is posted in your members area for members of our website, I've taken the liberty of just kind of giving you some highlights here. On a per share basis, the year-over-year -year change in revenues is actually up three-tenths of a percent. It has indeed been stalled for a couple years, obviously since energy started collapsing. 
the aggregate S&P 500 reports, these are the actual numbers from S&P 500 companies, if we include energy, the year-over-year -year revenue change is down 1.2%. Okay, Not horrible, it's down 1.2%. However, if you do not include energy, it is up 2% year-over-year. Again, not groundbreaking, but growing nonetheless. Earnings, on the other hand, have a little different twist. There's a couple of ways to see earnings. You can get the earnings reported from the companies. You can get S&P operating earnings from uh, Standard & Poor's. And you can get Thomson Reuters reported earnings. They all calculate a little differently. Uh, you can study that. They're not dynamically different, but they're somewhat different but you get a sense of the same message. If we take earnings from Thomson Reuters, which is, we argue, the fairest of the group, uh, we have a down 6% even year over year in this latest earnings season. Okay, Down 6% year over year, the earnings from all the companies reporting. A vast bulk of this down 6% came from the energy sector, as you might imagine. If we take out energy, that number changes fairly dynamically. It is down only 1.2%. Earnings for everything but energy are down only 1.2%. One could argue that's probably the international businesses because we do have a stronger dollar this year by a pretty good chunk. Once again, though, as we've noted before in other podcasts, this number is expected to start to grow again in Q3. As we've uh, noted in podcasts, as it relates to round-tripping the energy sector convulsions. Okay, Now, margins are an important thing. Margins are how effective a business is at creating its net earnings, okay? And once again, you have three different reporting processes. You can get what the actual companies reported. You can get what the S&P, Standard & Poor's, reports after they make adjustments. And you can get what Thomson Reuters reports. So again, this is just margins, okay? So what do the margins tell us? In the latest quarter, the year-over-year -year change from S&P 500 companies themselves was 7.9%. Now, did it rise or fall from Q4? It rose from 6.5%, but it is still below its peak from 9.4% in the third quarter of 14, which is the onset of the energy bear market. So that reduction, again, is primarily focused in the energy area. Standard & Poor's reports them a little differently. The year-over-year -year change from Standard & Poor's in margins is a plus 8.8%. That's also up from Q4, which when it was 8.0%. Lastly, Thomson Reuters reports a little bit more robust number. They came in at 9.8%, okay, uh, which is still down from Q4 at 10.2. Not a lot, but it's down four-tenths of a percent. Now, to show you the impact of energy, if we exclude energy 
from both earnings and revenues, then the margin was an 11% increase year over year. So let's not fool ourselves. Energy has been tough, but under the surface, the real currents driving a vast majority of the economy are doing pretty darn well given the circumstances. Okay, Close out with a couple of thoughts. There are some positives. Um, my take, though, remains that a summer swoon this year, like we've had the last two years, actually five of the last seven years, while spooky short-term, it sets the stage for the same as we've seen in the last few summer swoons. It's an opportunity. Meanwhile, consumers continue to be rattled at times, but more likely by short-term media surroundings than anything particularly troubling long-term. Consumer confidence in the latest data, the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Index, rebounded to 95.8 this month after falling all the way to a seven-month low in April of 89. Now, my guess is that we saw that because of the massive amount of negative headlines at how bad the market started out for the first of the year. Okay, it coincided directly with the, what became massive coverage of the, quote, worst start to the markets in 80 years, unquote. Seems the expectations component accounted for most of this gain in the latest reading. It rebounded from a 17-month low at 77 to an 11-month high at 87 and a half. The present situation index advanced for the second month in a row to 108.6, itself an 11-month high. Think about that. There's plenty of income and savings to have a wave of nice spending patterns in Q2 and Q3. It'll likely be a surprise to most of the naysayers as they seem to fill our airwaves. Summer vacations are around the corner as we stare into the doldrums in just a few weeks. Don't worry about it. Summers are always slow. The pause we've been trudging through in markets is working, as we said. Sentiment data is nearing low bullish readings, not seen since the lows of 2009. That's an incredible feat, given that we are 10,000 points higher. All of this shows the continuing signs of the barbell economy unfolding ahead. Let's stay in touch. Make sure you understand these details. The current underneath the chop is stronger than what the headlines would lead you to believe. We just have to be patient and disciplined, just like any long-term investor must be. Hope these thoughts have been helpful. Until we see you again on the next podcast, May your journey be grand and your legacy significant.